Hi, I'm Val Hart in San Antonio, Texas, founder of Val Hart and Friends at ValHart.com. Welcome to The Real Dr. Doolittle Show, the show for animals and the people who love them. I've been called a real-life Dr. Doolittle many times in my career as an expert animal communicator, behaviorist, pet psychic, and master healer. My mission and passion is to improve the lives of animals the world over by helping humans learn how to speak their language, how to understand their viewpoints, and heal. After all, our love of animals helps us be better humans, and the more balanced and healthy we are, the more balanced and healthy they can be, too. Be sure and look for my CDs on iTunes, and to find out more about my work and to receive your free Quick Start Animal Talk course, just go to my website at valhart.com. While you're there for a limited time, you can also apply for a complimentary Happy Animal Assessment Session. And if you want to learn how to be your own Dr. Doolittle, check out the world's first complete animal communication made easy system available now on my website at valhart.com. Thank you and enjoy the show. Hi, this is Val Hart, the real Dr. Doolittle, and today I'm talking with Joan Jacobs. Joan is a 25-year experienced holistic healer and a botchflower practitioner and teacher. In her clinical work, Joan awakens the body to restore health by accessing and activating information held within the anatomical structures, and then she supports the healing process by using energy healing, uh, Bach flower remedies and healthy self-management skills. Joan teaches at the Faculty of Health Sciences at the Ben-Gurion University of the Negev, Israel, and has held senior teaching and program coordinating positions at leading schools of complementary medicine in Israel. She also teaches certification programs for the Botch Flower practitioners in which she teaches her unique approach to case intakes and prescribing. Joan developed and instructs programs for cancer survivors, particularly breast cancer survivors, as well as programs in the field of women's empowerment and health, and also for substance abuse victims and prison inmates. Joan has also developed unique applications of holistic approaches in the field of interpersonal relationships in the workplace. She's worked with the staffs and personnel of some of Israel's leading companies, hospitals, educational institutions. And we're going to talk to her today about using Bach flowers for animals and for healing. So welcome to the show, Joan. I'm so glad you took the time to talk to us today. Well, hi, Val. It's my pleasure. I'm really happy to be on the show. I'm delighted to have you here. <laughs> so uh, can you tell us a little of your own personal journey to health and healing? How, what got you started with holistic healing? Uh, what got you interested in this work? Well, uh, that's an interesting question because it's, it really was a combination of things. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up in a family where both my parents were medical professions, so the medical terminology was very familiar to me, and I I guess I was expected to somehow become um, either a doctor or, you know, something medically related, Hmm. and I, I just didn't resonate with traditional medicine. I never did, yeah. and it, when I started out, actually, I was a dance major at hmm. UCI, and when I decided to leave training as a performer, I considered 
doing something that would allow me to work with dance injuries. Mm. Oh, okay. And at the time, I was I was seeing um, a professional who combined reflexology, shiatsu, and physiotherapy, which I really enjoyed, and it it was very beneficial for me. And mm. I, you know, I said I want to do something like that. That looks really good. Cool. And at the time, I came across, accidentally, quote, unquote, came across mm. an advertisement in the newspaper for the first course in Israel at that time for alternative medicine. Mm-hmm. And that sort of, you know, hit a chord. And I decided to go and see what it's all about. And I ended up enrolling. And the second course, was uh, in Botchflower mm-hmm. therapy, mm-hmm. and I just knew I hit home base. It was wow. it was ju- it was just I just knew that that was the direction, and and actually I've been clinically using the Botchflower remedies ever ever since that was in 1986. Wow, I love that. So that's so- one aspect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, did you have a, a personal challenge that the box flowers helped you with? Well, i i was I had been dealing with very severe psoriasis for many, many mm. years, which I developed when I was sixteen. Ooh. And at the time, uh, you know, I was told that there's nothing you can do about it, and I'm just going to have to learn how to live with it. And <sighs> There was no way I was going to agree to that, and mm-hmm. I sort of vowed that I would I would find a solution. Mm-hmm. And when I when I studied the botch flowers, I started applying them to my own condition. Okay. And although it took a while in, until I started seeing relief on my skin, they supported me emotionally, and you know things that I was going through. Um, and constitutional stuff that, you know, I was carrying and mm-hmm. old emotional wounds that were unresolved. And I really felt a lot better. Mm. And then as I expanded my studies in alternative medicine, you know, I, I combined other methods as well. But mm-hmm. until today, I mean, I use the botch flower remedies on, on a almost on a daily basis to support wow different types of situations and just knowing that I have that backup system mm-hmm. it's just so comforting mm, yeah. there are remedies that you know when I teach I just tell people I I don't know how I would have made it through some of the situations that I made it through without the help of the remedies mm-hmm. yeah wow thank you for sharing that I know that was a bit personal but it, it, that's I'm, I'm just so interested in helping people understand the power of the botch flowers, you know, that they're they're not just just for um balancing, you know, some personality imbalance. Um but they go really deep and they can work with some pretty amazing things like severe psoriasis. Oh my gosh, what a painful and difficult uh thing to struggle with. And at such an early age, I'm so sorry that that happened. And it looks to me like it happened for a big time, good reason, which brought you the, in the path that you you chose. You know, so, 
<sighs> so I, I totally agree, only, you know, it took me quite a few years to be able to recognize, acknowledge, and appreciate that. Yes, I know. Um, you know there was... <laughs> hindsight. It's easier in hindsight, yes, always. Uh, so let's uh, let's help people understand what the Botch Flowers are. Who? So who was... The founder of the Botch Flowers is Dr. Edward Botch. Um, he's from England, and I know you know his story so well. Can you share a bit of that? Um, so who was Dr. Botch, um, and what is the Botch Flower Method? Well, maybe let's start with what, what the Botch Flower Method is. Okay. Um, the Botch Flower Method is a system of healing that unblocks the body's healing potential by balancing emotions, thought patterns, and personality-related characteristics or temporary mood states at the core source level of the energy vibration. And, you know, when you when you talked earlier about, um, you know, the power of the remedies, um, holistic healing... One of the main principles of holistic healing is that the core source of anything that's going on in a physical body is the energy system, the the the, the energy body field. Okay. And unless you address whatever condition or issue you, in, in discussion at that level, you're not really uprooting it. And the reason that the botch flower remedies go so deep is because they are energy remedies. There's no substance in the remedies. They're actually um, a type of extraction of the energy vibration of the plant. And when 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 you take them, it, the energy of the plant resonates with a specific frequency of whatever characteristic or pattern we're addressing and helps rebalance the frequency itself. Okay. So so yes, they they work very very deep and they're able to actually resolve um, issues really at their core source level, which is which is a huge advantage. Yes, I know most approaches, especially I think our allopathic approaches, tend to chase symptoms. You know, they um, and some sometimes we do that in other approaches too. We're just, you know, the symptom is what gets our attention. Um, and, you know, the use of steroids and um, other types of things tend to suppress symptoms, but they don't make them go away. Uh, they don't reach the core. You know, they don't reach the core underneath level you know so so i think what you're trying to say is that the botch flowers actually reach the core they go to the deepest layer where the issues actually originated perhaps is that what you're trying to say is that clear yes exactly yeah and in fact dr hanuman who was the founder of homeopathy said that the the physical symptom is there to inform us of this of the energy imbalance and to make it visible and mm. and apparent so that we can address it and when you say the symptoms call our attention to to a certain degree that's a good thing but mm-hmm. 
the way you, you focus your attention and what you decide to do after you focus your attention is where allopathic and holistic medicine sort of split in in their approaches. Mm-hmm. And what what we're saying here is that the body is creating um, manifestation of specific conflicts and issues in physical form for the purpose of calling our attention, but in the sense of sort of showing or demonstrating to us in a physical way what the issues are that we need to address in order to heal. So the body will always create symptoms that mimic the emotional issues just in in physical form. Well, um, let me get that. The body creates physical symptoms that mimic, I think you said, the underlying emotional issue. Is that what you said? Yeah. What you just said was brilliant. the, Mm -hmm. the, The type of disease, the what we call the totality of symptoms mm-hmm. is always, well, I don't know if I'd say identical because they, they're in two different realms, but they're very, very similar mm-hmm. to the atmosphere, to the energy, to the type of conflict in the emotional realm that needs to be addressed. Got it. I can give you an ex- a few examples of that, yeah. maybe Good. to okay. clarify what I mean. Thank you. If you, if you take um, asthma, for example, mm-hmm. and you look at the physiopathology of it, what happens in asthma is that the airways constrict. And if people die of asthma, they die from choking. They, mm-hmm. they have no air. Yeah. And in asthma patients, what we need to look for is an issue or conflict or situation in their life that subjectively is causing them a feeling of suffocation, of stifling. So even if you take asthma in children, you know, sometimes mothers um, can be very, very stifling and overprotective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or relationships can be stifling. Um, a, a job can be stifling. So there's something in that person's life that is causing them to feel stifled. Mm-hmm. And all their body is doing is sort of representing the emotional feel feeling of being stifled in a physical way. Wow. So if you know how to interpret the body's language of symptoms in a metaphoric way, you can easily understand what's going on on the emotional or mental realm and address it as such. And then what the remedies do is they take that and they address it at the the level, as you said, of the origin of the core source, which is which lies in the energy field. Mm. Wow, I love that example. That really brings it out. So, yeah. So what we're looking at, if if we are having a symptom, us or our, we or our animal are having a symptom, if we will stop to reinterpret the body's language, and we know that the body is doing its best to communicate with us. Right, it, mm-hmm. it is. It's trying to tell us it has. It's having a problem or it's suffering with something. Um, and if we look at that in in this context, it can help us find the underlying 
source or the origin or what is causing the body to act or react the way that it's doing. I think it's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Now, I must, brilliant. must say that, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't focus my work on animals, but I have treated um, quite a few situations with animals, mainly dogs and cats, with the mm-hmm. botch remedies. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't presume to to do that kind of metaphoric interpretation on animals exactly, mm-hmm. just because some of the emotional feelings are, you know, very accurate and very specific. And mm-hmm. obviously animals have a harder time communicating what they feel in that way. So prescribing for animals is done slightly different, although mm-hmm. the principles are the same. Mm-hmm. So if you right. do have a house pet, you know, that you're familiar with and you know their personality and you know their responses, um, you could definitely do at least part of the prescribing based on, you know, how they how, how they feel. We also have to be careful that, you know, when we observe an animal, we tend to animate their responses and see it through our own filters, mm-hmm. which True. can be mis- misleading, you know. Right. So prescribing for animals is done slightly differently, but nevertheless, they're very effective with animals too. Yes, and, and you know, the the advantage that I have, Joan, is that I, I do communicate with animals. So one of the mm-hmm. uh, benefits of my work is that I can give them a voice. I can share how they're feeling, where it started, what the issue is actually connected to, you know, so... Um, mm-hmm. So that makes a big difference. You know, it's like um, it's difficult to work with a patient that you can't really communicate with, and then you have to do other ways to determine, you know, uh, what what's actually going on as, as best you can, like mm-hmm. you were saying. Um, so, uh, and it also is a really critical point about viewing them through our filters because often they mirror us, you know, um, sometimes they carry our issues, you know, or they'll act them out mm-hmm. for us, you know, sort of almost like the body is trying to get our attention. Our own body is trying to get our attention, and if it's failing to get our attention, then sometimes our animals or those around us will act it out for us to make it even, try to make it even clearer so we'll see it, you know, and take the proper action. Um, so, you know, there's all those dynamics, and sometimes... You know, so we have to sort all that out. Is the is this actually the animal's issue? Is it the person's issue? Is it a shared issue? You know, what's really going on here? So it does get a bit complicated. Um, can, well, you know, the, actually, there's a, there's a way to deal with that. It's, yeah. it's very similar to prescribing for babies. Oh, cool. Because babies can't mm-hmm. communicate their feelings either. Mm-hmm. And what we do with babies is we we... Um, interview and prescribe for the mother, uh-huh. and give the baby the the remedies that I, you would have given to the mother. Oh wow! Especially mm-hmm. in the very early ages, you know, if the mother is breastfeeding, because the mm-hmm. energy connection is just so close at that time. Yes, and. Mm-hmm. I've never done it, but I'm I'm sure that the same would apply to you know, house pets, especially mm-hmm. if they've been with the same owner for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. As you said, you know, is the animal reflecting our issues or are we reflecting on theirs? 
but you probably in certain cases could prescribe to the to the owner and give mm-hmm. it to the animal. Yes, I, I know when I do when I work with these, that's one of the things I look at. It's like okay. Whose issues is whose? <laughs> is it a shared issue? <laughs> and and uh, you retreating here? Huh? Yeah. Uh, and um, who are we treating here? Say that again. I said, who are we treating here? Yes, exactly. Are we treating the dog or are we treating the owner? <laughs> exactly. Um, and often we're doing both. You know, it's like they both have a shared issue. Uh, it, it's and that so that is something that can come up. Occasionally, it's not. Um, so, but I, I think that's great. Um, tell us an animal story, Joan. So, t- can you? Uh, I know you you don't do this as your primary focus, but I know you have done it with some animals. Um, can you tell us a story? Well, there's one story that I always love to share because it really demonstrates the power of the remedies. I had a uh, German Shepherd was about 25 pound German Shepherd, a huge animal, and there was this um, epidemic in the neighborhood. It was a viral thing that was attacking um, dogs and cats, mm. and he started to not feel very well. You know, it was very obvious that he wasn't feeling well. And I took him to the vet, and the vet said that you know there's this epidemic and everything. Mm-hmm. And he just sort of deteriorated over, uh, you know, a couple days. And it got to the point where he was really in a bad condition. Mm. And it was 1 o'clock in the morning. I called the vet. We went to the vet, Mm. got the vet out of bed. And he gave him an IV with, you know, Mm. just a bit of vitamins and everything. And what he said is, he said, I don't know what to do. He said, the emetep the epidemic has been just killing the dogs. Dogs don't make mm-hmm. it through. And he said, I found no solution. He said, you do all kinds of voodoo stuff and, and, and everything. He said, try what you know how to do because I I don't know what to say, to say any more than what I've done. Mm-hmm. So I took the dog home and I prepared a remedy that had, well, it was a mixture that had three remedies in it. Mm-hmm. Um, one was for trauma. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, you know, I was trying to think logically what was going on because nobody actually knew what was going on other than yeah. th- that it was viral. So right. I figured, you know, the virus invades the body. That's that's kind of traumatic. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I gave him two other remedies just to strengthen him, you know, just general remedies for weakness um, and, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And... Within 12 hours, it was very clear that he was pulling through. Wow. And in 24 hours, he, he was back to himself. Oh, my God. And when I took him to the vet, the vet said that that this dog was the only dog that survived the epidemic. Wow. That all the other dogs that, that he saw um, died from the from the virus. Wow. And, I mean, nobody knew what it was, but, but the remedies really... They saved his life. Wow. What a, what a, like. No, that's amazing. Yeah. Oh, and it was just, you know, I mean, it was like working in the dark because I had really had no substantial information to go on. I had no idea what was really going on. Mm -hmm. And so I just, you know, used basic common sense and it worked. It was really amazing. 
Wow. I bet that made a believer out of your vet, huh? (laughs) (laughs) He sort of swallowed his tongue, so to speak. (laughs) After calling what I do voodoo work. I know. Uh, Yeah. uh, uh, Can I get a redo on the voodoo thing? Uh, (laughs) I didn't really mean that. Uh, Wow. Wow. That's awesome. Um, mm. Thank you. Oh, what a brilliant story. Um, so, let's. So, tell. Can you tell us the story of Dr. Edward Bach or Botch? And, and by the way, I, I stumble on the word just to, to let let our listeners know. In the United States, we typically call them Bach flowers, like the the composer Bach. Um, and however, Dr. Edward Bach was Bach was um, English. And they pronounce it botch. So you guys across the pond, so to speak, um, call it botch. So uh, forgive me if I trip over the word occasionally in the pronunciation. So can you tell us a bit of his background so people understand how these were created, uh, where they come from? Uh, sure. He was he was born in a small village near Birmingham in the in the UK. Okay. And he he was a very sickly child actually. There's not a lot of information about what it was exactly that he suffered from, but in the literature it is stated that he he was never really healthy as a child. And and that's something that he, he had to deal with later on and there were implications on his work, which is why I mention it. Mm-hmm. But from a very young age he knew he wanted to study medicine. And his family couldn't afford it, so until he was about 20, he worked at, his, at the family's brass foundry, and only at the age of 20 did he actually start studying medicine. Wow. And he completed his, um, um, you know, doctor's degree and specialized in immunology and bacteriology. Mm. And there are, few, you know, there are a few. Um, very important points of insight on on his journey and one of them was when he was doing his internship and he he noticed that people with the same condition in a hospital ward that were receiving the same kind of treatment mm-hmm. were not necessarily responding to the treatment in the same way mm-hmm. and that really intrigued him and he you know started researching it and the conclusion that he came to, which was a very preliminary conclusion, but what he found was that people with similar personality characteristics tended to respond in similar ways. So what he did is he grouped people into very coarse kind of groups and something like, you know, the optimist and the pessimist and everything. And he found that, that, all the optimists, for example, had a tendency to, to respond more or less in the, in the same way, on a, on a scale, of course, mm-hmm. versus the pessimists that sort of t- had a tendency to respond differently than the optimists, but also in a in, in similar way. And he and he made a point of that, and, and he, what he felt was that um, the true study of disease lay in in watching the patient and observing the way each one was affected by their complaint and seeing their different reactions and how these different reactions influence 
the course, severity, and duration of the disease. So from a very early age, he started zooming in on the patient much more so than on the disease. Um, um, did, did you want to say something? No, I just I think that was really brilliant because so many doctors, you know, and, and practitioners, they're zooming in on symptoms. They're not zooming in. Mm-hmm. And in fact, you know, they don't even hardly look at the patient these days. <laughs> I remember my ninety-pound. They're busy. Whether busy, yeah, well, yeah, exactly. I'm just remembering my ninety-pound mother going to the doctor complaining of, you know, how bad she felt, and he wasn't even looking at her. He told her she needed to lose weight, stop drinking, and don't smoke, and uh, and and then dismissed her. <laughs> and she stopped. She stood up and she slammed down on her desk and she said, have you actually looked at me the whole time we've been here? And he looked up and went, oh, my God, I guess you you actually don't have any weight to lose. (laughs) But it was the standard, you know, thing. He didn't even look at her. And unfortunately, that happens all too often. So I love that Dr. Botch actually zoomed in on it so early in his career. So I think it's awesome. Zoom in on the patient. Look at how they react and and what how they're affected, and what's going on with them mm-hmm. and their personality. Okay, that's what I was going to say. Nothing. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> okay. So anyway, he um, you know he he started seeing patients and he was very uns- unsatisfied with uh, the, the results he was getting with traditional medicine, and mm, yeah. he he really wanted to find an alternative method of healing. And at that time, he became the assistant bacteriologist at the University College Hospital and was hoping to find the the solution to the issue of chronic disease. Now, the fact that he was an immunologist and bacteriologist was, was an important aspect of where he was looking for the solution. <clears throat> and what he did is he developed vaccines made out of intestinal bacteria. Hmm. I don't know if if all of the listeners are familiar with the intestinal bacteria, but we do have a very large population of in bacteria in the in the intestines that are called friendly bacteria because they're very very important for um uh, absorption of certain nutrients, and they are very essential to uh, immune functions and in protecting the body from um, external, you know, like viruses and and, and different pathological bacteria. Mm -hmm. And he took these bacterias and developed vaccines from them and started injecting them into patients. And he he thought that they would have the effect of cleansing the system of toxins that were Mm -hmm. causing chronic disease. Mm-hmm. And the the results that he got with these vaccines were, were beyond his expectations. Wow! In fact, um, when when I was studying the botch flower uh, method, the my my teacher said that until this day, there are certain European hospitals that use these vaccines, mm-hmm. and he definitely helped save a lot of people. Um, in in the beginning of the 20th century. Wow. Now, that's the kind of vaccine I would probably go for. (laughs) 
most of the vaccines I think are just oh, they're horrible. I I don't I don't get them, you know. Um anyway, yeah, keep going. Well, it's very interesting. Can, can can be very problematic from a whole homeopathic point of view at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but he still wasn't satis- fully satisfied because, you know, the injections were causing discomfort and he he still wanted to find a simpler method of of application. Mm-hmm. And then in nineteen seventeen he had a severe hemorrhage and lost consciousness. Do you remember we said that he, he was never really a very healthy person to begin right. with? Right. And his colleagues operated to remove a tumor, and the prognosis was very poor. They told him that he probably had about three months to live. Mm. But he recovered and got back to his research and soon noticed that six months had passed and he was getting stronger and stronger. And that was also an important turning point because his understanding was that the connection between emotions and the body was so strong that he believed that what facilitated his almost miraculous healing was his determination to complete his work. Mm. So he, you know, he actually experienced the power of things like motivation, determination, inspiration and how that supported the body to mm-hmm. heal itself, even though objectively, according to the medical criteria, mm-hmm. um, he wasn't supposed to get better. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. He, he took that with him also. And in 1919, he started working at the London Homeopathic Hospital as pathologist and bacteriologist. Mm-hmm. which is where he was exposed to Hanneman's work, um, the founder of homeopathy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he was exposed to the, um, the you know, the body-mind concepts mm-hmm. and the idea of treating the patient, not the, the, the disease. And one of the main uh, principles that, that later affected his work was the, the, the homeopathic principle of like treats like. Now, what that means is that homeopathy is always looking for a remedy that, if given to a healthy person, will create the exact same symptoms the patient is is demonstrating in sickness. Okay. I'll say that again. Very confusing. Yeah. <laughs> what, what homeopathy does is they they take healthy people and they give them the remedies. It's a process called proving. There are people that are chosen by certain criteria, and usually, um, uh, well, they're taken to areas in the world that are relatively healthy and distant from you know uh, pollutants and toxins and. Mm-hmm things like that, Mm -hmm. and they're given the remedy in different potences, it's called Mm -hmm. it, which is different levels of of the remedy, and they develop symptoms, certain symptoms, because what the remedy does is pushes their energy system out of balance, so they start creating symptoms, physical symptoms, emotional symptoms, mental symptoms, and these symptoms are recorded. Okay. And they create a remedy profile. 
And then we know that if a patient comes with these exact same symptoms and we give the remedy to somebody who is sick, the remedy will correct the sickness and restore health. Okay. Okay, and that's an important principle to understand because basically when we prescribe Bosch flower remedies, we're using the same principle. So that right. if I have a remedy that's called holy, for, exam- for example, which addresses anger, and the, the profile of the remedy is one that talks about anger and all kinds of other negative emotions, mm-hmm. I'll give it to somebody who has negative emotions because the vibrations, the the frequencies match. Okay. So I'm not trying, so I don't look for a remedy that antis something, that goes against it, that that resists it, that suppresses it. Mm -hmm. I look for a remedy that has the same frequency of whatever symptom the, the patient has. Okay. So if you had someone... Dr. Botch... Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, if you had someone that was angry or habitually, chronically negative, uh, classic pessimist or or something like that, um, then holly uh, or holly would be be the match for that. And like matches like or treats like – um, that would stimulate and push energetically into better balance, into a more positive aspect. Is that? Is, am I understanding that correctly? Yeah, basically, yeah. The, the, you see, the thing is, is that any given frequency exists on a spectrum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, people with very negative emotions also hold the, hold the potential for having very positive emotions. Mm-hmm. And what the remedy does is when it hooks on to the the resonant frequency, mm-hmm. it helps balance it in the sense that it brings forth the positive aspects, the positive potential, which sort of just dismiss and, and move away the mm-hmm. negative aspects. Okay. So you're not you're not suppressing, you're rebalancing. And if you know, getting applying it to animals, you know, there are animals that, that are hostile. Yes. And mm-hmm. you could give them holy. Got it. I got it. It's good. Good example. Okay. Okay. So that's how they're created and how they actually work. Um what types of conditions, humans and animals, what types of conditions benefit? Can you give us a laundry list or uh, some ideas of of, um, when these would be most useful? Well, we could divide that into a few types of categories. One category is uh, physical health conditions. Uh, Considering that the philosophy is that, you know, as we said before, that the the body is is actually just showing us what the inner conflicts are in physical form. Any health condition will always have an emotional theme to it mm-hmm. or underlying issue. Mm-hmm. So I have people, I have a lot of my clients who come with health conditions um, 
sometimes there are people who um, choose the botch flower healing method as their main healing method, and there are those that are that combine it with either allopathic or other alternative healing methods. Mm-hmm. So that you know, I I support the emotional aspects, and that supports the body to heal better, no matter what healing method you're using. In fact, I have an amazing story about that. Uh, I had a woman come to me with reoccurring breast cancer, and she had been to one of my workshops. Um, I did a lot of work with breast cancer survivors, and she came and she said, uh, thanks to your workshop, I know exactly what the emotional, the underlying emotional issue is. And, you know, she told me what it was. And she said, but I I really don't feel like I have the emotional strength to deal with it, but I just came to share that with you. I said, you know, okay. And she went home and showed up a few weeks later again telling me that the chemotherapy that she was receiving was just not responding at all. Nothing nothing was working. Okay. And she said, maybe maybe we should start addressing the emotional issues and yeah. you know see if that <laughs> you know mm-hmm. helps in any way and and we did and sure enough within about 10 days from the time that we started addressing the emotional issues the, the chemotherapy started responding wow and she was doing a lot better oh. and for quite a few months you know she was getting stronger and um and and the the chemotherapy was uh, doing quite well. And then she reached a point in the emotional process where she felt that she just couldn't go any further. Mm. Um, She she reached a point where she had to confront somebody who was Mm -hmm. involved in the issue, and and she just felt like she couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. And she said, you know, I'm I'm dropping out. She said, I just can't go through with it. Mm. And she stopped the treatment. And it was just amazing because the chemotherapy just stopped working again. Yeah. And she just went downhill. And I I always give that as an example because, you know, sometimes people think it's an either-or situation. Mm-hmm. And it's not. You can, you can use methods like the botch flower methods mm-hmm. combined with allopathic treatment. And, in fact, they really support the treatment. Yeah. And you get all the more um beneficial, you know, and they help the body respond better to the treatment and uh so you know, just it's important to keep in mind that um that these this method can be uh, incorporated into medical protocols and, and treatments. That makes a lot of sense. You know, so, so it, that's the first category is, okay. is people with, you know, f- physical health conditions. Okay, all right. And then there's a, a category of people who have what I call um, life problems or life situations, with, which can be anything from um, trauma, relationship problems, you know, divorce, um, problems with kids, anything that's causing emotional or mental distress of any kind. Okay. That would be the second category. And the third category are people that come and have a sense 
of there being something wrong, but they can't pinpoint what it is exactly. And they'll say things like, I feel stuck. Um, Nothing's working and I don't know why. Um, I don't know where I'm going in my life. I'm, I feel like I'm, you know, just wasting my time and dragging my feet and, you know, I need direction, I need insight and, and things like that. Okay. And then in that, in those cases, the remedies sort of clarify, um, clarify the issues. And when these people get clarity, mm-hmm. then they can move on with their lives. Right. Right. Interesting. Okay, so three categories, physical, so the body is showing us the inner conflict um, to help us get to the core underlying issues. Life problems like trauma, uh, dysfunctional relationships, um, anything causing mental or emotional distress, and that's in, in our life. And then it's that sense that there's something wrong, there's something missing, something more, something feeling stuck, Um needing some clarity. Yeah? Mhm. But I also okay. want to say that there's we distinguish between what we call constitutional and what you what you'd call temporary states. Okay. Constitutional issues are issues that lie on the foundation of very deeply rooted and as as the term is constitutional personality related patterns or things. Okay. So for instance, if you take something like um, people who are who tend to overload themselves, you know, they take on a lot of responsibility, a lot of assignments, and what they do is they they stretch themselves to to the point of collapse. Mm. That's a constitutional characteristic. That's not something that people develop temporarily or usually it'll it, it'll be a constitutional mm-hmm. characteristic. Mm-hmm. So if you, if if somebody comes in a state of collapse, of crisis, that's a result of that kind of constitutional theme, then it'll take longer to restore health just because the behavior and the belief systems have been there for much longer. Mm-hmm. But if somebody comes with a crisis that happened, you know, in the last few days, um, they saw something that scared them mm-hmm. or they had a just a flu when they're having a hard time pulling themselves back together mm-hmm. or something that really upset them, but it but it's sort of here and now, it's short-term, it's intense, Mm-hmm. then the response is also very very fast. Ah, okay. So for the listeners, anybody who who may be considering going to a practitioner, you need to know that when you're dealing with long-term stuff, then the, the, the amount of time that it takes for the remedies to restore health mm-hmm. is longer than if you're trying to address a short-term crisis. Okay. Now, short-term crisis, I think one of the best knowns, best known in our area anyway, uh, remedies is the, is the rescue remedy. And typically that one's used, 
I believe, if I'm understanding correctly, it's used for temporary states, anxiety, nerves, some kind of trauma, accident, uh, injury, you know, that kind of thing. Um, is that correct? I know you, you, you use it very in different ways. So can you talk about rescue remedy and other approaches to those sorts of problems? Well, the rescue remedy is a combination that Dr. Botch himself concocted mm-hmm. um, in order to address um, situations um, like crisis or intense uh, situations. Okay. Um, I must say that the, the rescue remedy has five different remedies in them. And it's a spectrum of states that are typical of crisis-like situations. But I've found that if I'm able, if, you know, if I have the remedies with me and I'm able to address the crisis mm-hmm. with the exact remedy that's needed rather than giving the whole mixture and hoping that one of them will hit the target, mm-hmm. um, the effect is, is is much greater. Ah, Interesting. Okay. So rescue remedy is great in a pinch, uh, but if you can actually fine-tune and use the specific element um, or a specific remedy in it, um, then you find it that that works better. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Okay. Okay. And I also want to add uh, for, the, for the listeners that the rescue remedy can be applied um, externally also. Um, it's a it's an excellent remedy for things like cuts, bruises, burns, you know, anything external on the skin or injuries, and you can you can uh, apply it externally also. That that's something that I use a lot. But when yeah. you get into very specific emotional responses in time of crisis, I found that often if you work with the exact remedy, it's more effective. Okay. Um, and one note I want to add to that, applying it externally to broken skin or damaged skin, uh, be sure you're using the rescue cream and not the one in alcohol. <laughs> it can burn yes pretty badly. No. Yes, yes and, and no. Yes and no? Oh, okay, yes tell me. No. I, I I agree with that uh, from the aspect of it burning, you know, the alcohol burning. Mm-hmm. But let's not forget that alcohol has a disinfection, uh, disinfectant um, effect, which True. can be very useful. And particularly with animals, <clears throat> I'm sure you're aware that uh, there are there's um, a type of injury, especially when animals are bitten by other animals, mm-hmm. and the Attacker's teeth create a puncture wound. Mm-hmm. Sometimes what happens is it heals on the surface but festers right. the deeper uh, layers right. of, the, of the skin. And and alcohol actually is very good for that. Okay. So uh, abscess, that, yeah, that kind of uh, problem, huh? Got it. Okay, good. Thank you. Um, any other tips uh, to help us... Um, in crisis or that sort of thing. I think you used a cherry plum with some interesting results. Well, I used cherry plum, and also I used um, Star of Bethlehem, which is a remedy for trauma, okay. when my own dog uh, went through hysterectomy. 
um, she came home from surgery, mm-hmm. and um, I mean, within 24 hours, she was back on her feet with awesome. the remedies. Mm-hmm. And, and I gave it to her actually internally. I gave it to her in drops. Mm-hmm. I didn't apply it to the wound. Wow. Okay. Okay. I let, her, I let her body take care of that. Okay. All right. Cherry plum is a remedy that I can't imagine living without. Mm. And I'll 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 describe the type of situations that it addresses and I'm sure the listeners are gonna kinda of raise their brows for a minute until I get <laughs> through the explanation. Because cherry plum addresses hysteria and irrationality and just that feeling of I'm gonna lose it. Mhm. Now when you think about it and, and of course cherry plum will address the the feeling that you're about to lose it and the fear that that involves. And once you've lost it, you will also need cherry plum. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. when you think about that term, you know, I'm going to lose it, it can be a very everyday thing. I mean, when you come home yeah. from work after a long day at work and you're tired <laughs> and you've got three kids waiting for you at home mm-hmm. and mommy this and mommy that and they don't want to go and take a shower and they don't want to get ready for school for the next day and it mm-hmm. sort of builds up into this feeling where you know, one more mommy and I'm going to lose it. That's a very, <laughs> very common, right? You're laughing. Yeah. I'm sure yeah, you know I'm what I'm laughing. talking about. I know. Very, and it's a very common state. I mean, we're not talking about, you know, um, losing your mind in the, in the psychiatric uh, mm-hmm. uh, meaning of the word. Mm-hmm. We're talking about that feeling where you've hit your threshold, mm-hmm. no matter what kind of buildup. Uh, brought you to your threshold and you just mm-hmm. feel like one more something or other mm-hmm. and you're just going to lose it. Mm-hmm. And cherry plum balances that feeling. And yeah. and cherry plum works very, very fast because it's a it. very pinpointed, focused, immediate feeling and the remedy can work within minutes. And wow. you're just out of that zone. I love it. I love it. Oh going to get my bottle of cherry plum. <laughs> I always I call it the, the, the August remedy. The what remedy? The August remedy. August. August because remedy. Why? Here, here in Israel, the kids are on vacation from school July and August, and then they go back to school in September. Mm-hmm. So by, got, by August, by the middle of August, you've got parents that are in a zombie state that they just can't stand, you know, having the kids at home, they can't get anything done, uh-huh. nobody's at work, nobody's doing anything, to, you know, and people are just really building up this this tension of, you know, wanting to get back into the routines and their work schedules and everything, especially, you know, people with younger younger children. Yeah. And so there were years where, you know, in August I'd have these mothers lined up all coming to get cherry plum because it was mm-hmm. just, you know, unbearable <laughs> anymore. So that has been very helpful. <laughs> that should be the the, the parent remedy. Uh, all parents should be required and gifted with cherry plum. Uh, I, I, that would make the world a better place, don't you think? <laughs> oh, of course. Oh, I love it. Oh, gosh. Oh, John, there's so much to talk about here. I would love to pick your brain about all of the remedies, you know, and how they work and what you've seen happen with them. And unfortunately, we're running out of time. 
Um, what? Let's see. So we've talked about how animals benefit from this from the method. We've talked about personality type issues and temporary mood states and what the flowers are, how they're created, the types of conditions that they benefit. Um, I, I think I so love what you're doing, and I love the depth that you've gone into on this so wonderful, such a wonderful, um, amazing method. Um, is there any cautions or any tips that you want to offer people, some things that they need to know uh, if they're going to get started maybe working with this uh, for themselves or their animal? Well, yes, maybe 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 a few tips. Okay. Um, the literature states that the remedies are 100% safe, which they are. But with that, you have to keep in mind that there are energy-based remedies, which means that if you take a remedy that you don't need, meaning that you're trying, you're addressing a frequency that is balanced, mm-hmm. you're going to throw it out of balance because of the proving effect, as I right. described earlier. Right. It's like giving a remedy to somebody who's healthy. Okay. Um, so, you know, you, you don't want to take remedies unnecessarily. That's okay. the first tip. Okay. The second tip is unless well the second tip addresses self prescribing. Okay. Um I don't you know there are a lot of places where they uh post the sort of uh key words or key descriptions of, of the remedies and people can choose and sort of self prescribe. 